You know, quite often our family goes and makes the trek to St. Louis, whether it's for baseball games or going to the zoo or a concert or something like that. And every time we go down there, Rach gets very annoyed with me because as we get closer to St. Louis or we're driving farther and further into the city, there's always a sign that says, this exit, Wentzville. And every time we go there, I say, that's where I used to live. And every time she follows up, I know. You tell me this every single time that we come here. But you see, my mom and I, we moved um, to the outskirts of St. Louis when I was in the middle of my second grade year. And I remember I was a little bit nervous that first day of school. And I'm kind of the same way now. I look forward to lunch, obviously. And I loved recess. I loved that time to just hang out with friends. And I remember the first day I got out there, this group of boys that were in my class says, hey, do you want to come play kickball with us? I said, yeah. And they do that thing where they pick out two captains and the rest of us stand against the fence. And I was so excited because the first captain, I was the very first pick on this kickball team, my first day of school. I thought, yeah, this is going to be great. And they kept picking back and forth and we had our teams and and we were up first, and they're like, Michael, you're new here. Why don't you bat first? Why don't you be at the top of the lineup? And I'm like, yeah. And so the pitcher was out there on the pitcher's mound. He rolled the kickball to me, and uh, I, I started to run, and my leg went out, missed the ball. And like, oh, you got it. You got the next one. You know where this story's going. And so they, they pitched it again, and I missed that one. And slowly they started to realize I kind of looked the part. I was a pretty cute second grader. I had cool shoes even back then. I kept my inhaler tucked away in my pocket. That would have been the dead giveaway. And as the days went on, what started to happen is I wasn't picked first the next time. I was chosen maybe three or four in. And maybe they thought like, oh, that first day was kind of nervous. It was just a fluke. And so I got picked the next day and I tried it again and I still was terrible. And slowly and slowly, I became to be one of the last ones picked every single day. Now, this sounds like it's going to be a therapy session. It's not, trust me. But you see, I think that's similar to when we first discover Jesus. You see, when we first meet Jesus, we know that we're chosen. We read about it in his word. We hear a message and we're reminded of that. But so often, that hallelujah high kind of disappears pretty quickly. And the life that you thought you were going to have and it was going to be amazing the bottom starts to drop out. You see, those good days are replaced by bad days. And those supporters that you thought were always going to be on your side, they start to disappear. They start to go by the wayside. And see, you're left on the sidelines, all alone, wondering if anything good is ever going to come out of your life again. 
You see, tonight I want to look at a passage in just our brief moment of time. And some of you are already timing me because I said I was going to be up here for 15 minutes. And you're like, it's already been three. You're going to go over. Spoiler alert, I will. But tonight I want to look at a passage that we've read many of us many times in the first chapter of Luke. Since we are in the season tonight, I want to look at Mary. And I want to look at Mary from a different point of view than maybe we've looked at her in a while. So I'm going to be reading from the message version of the Bible in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. God sent the angel Gabriel to the village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her, Good morning, you're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out, God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. You see, nothing is impossible with God. Now, before we go much further, I just want to look at this passage because Back in biblical times, they didn't date the way that we do right now. They didn't meet, fall in love, and eventually get married. You see, marriages were business transactions arranged by your family. Think about that for a minute. Your parents deciding your mate. Some of you are cringing just thinking about that right now because your dad can't even wear cool jeans, let alone pick out a mate for you when he can't even pick out cool jeans. You see, the word that they use a lot in scripture is betrothed. And betrothed, what that means is they're engaged, and generally for anywhere from six to 12 months. And that betrothment was as binding as marriage. In fact, to get out of it, you had to go through divorce proceedings. That's how serious it was at the time. Now, Mary, according to most biblical scholars, she would have been about 15 or 16 years old at the time. Now, considering her age and considering her gender, she wasn't really thought of much. In fact, she was probably looked down upon in the town where she grew up. You see, probably not the first choice that most people would have thought to be the mother of God's son. You see, in fact, Mary was poor, and she was engaged to a man named Joseph who was even poorer than she was. But in spite of that, God chose Mary. God chose Mary, this teenage peasant, to give birth to the Savior of the world. You see, Mary didn't do anything to earn that. God chose her. You see, if if you're here for the first time, we're in the midst of a series, and you may be wondering why we're wearing name tags and maybe why you were asked to wear a name tag, a series called Ola Mayamo. My name is. And in the previous three weeks, we've looked at what God says about us. 
And if you've missed any of the three weeks, whether you're a normal underground student or you're just here kind of as our special guest tonight, we encourage you to go to the live stream, check out the first three weeks of this, go to the podcast, download it. Because throughout this, we really want to know, in spite of the world that we live in, that tries to label us, that tries to tell us what life should be like, we never want to forget what God says about each and every one of us. And tonight, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down, you are chosen. You are chosen. You see, if you continue on in scripture, it talks about how Mary was confused. She was disturbed. It even uses the phrase, Mary was greatly troubled. You see, in that passage, it said, Mary had never slept with a man before. And I don't want to get all birds and the bees on you tonight, but that's not how it works. You don't just randomly become pregnant. So Mary was in this unusual kind of situation. You see, Mary was engaged. She was getting ready to be married to Joseph. You see, Rach and I, we dated for a short period of time. We dated for exactly three months, and she couldn't keep her hands off of me. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But after three months, we'd been, each of us, with a lot of losers. Um, So when you find the right one, I'm not letting her go. You see, shortly thereafter, we we had about a nine-month engagement time. And I've often thought about if I was in Joseph's situation, if that situation would have been our situation, and Rachel would have came up to me and said, hey, I'm pregnant, and it's God's baby, I would have been like, you're a psycho. Like, who is this woman that I'm choosing to marry? You see, what would have happened at best for Mary She would have been quietly divorced. She would have been kicked out of town. But you see, at worst, she would have been brought into the center of the town for all to see and executed right there on the spot. But Mary responds with probably my favorite all-time faith-filled response in all of Scripture. Listen to what she says, again from the message. Mary said, Yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's chosen one, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. God took one look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. You see, as I look at that passage, I'm sure at some point there were a myriad of thoughts that were running through her head. When I look at that passage, I'm sure there were times where she thought, man, your own people are going to kill you. You're only just a young girl. Guess what people are going to start to say about you? Everyone you love is going to leave you, and no one is going to believe you that this all happened like you said. You know, even as I was thinking of some of those Maybe some of you have those same thoughts. Maybe some of you, as I was reading that, there are lies that people have spoken over your life 
No one will believe you. You'll never get out of this funk you're in. You're gonna be alone for the rest of your life. How could anybody ever care about you after what you've been through? You see, I was with a student recently and he said to me, you know, Michael, when you talk about a future that God has for me, it's really hard for me to understand that. Because growing up in my family, I've heard all the time, I'll never amount to nothing. Look at you, you messed up again. And you know, he said, I can't ever think about it. I know God is good and I know you're encouraging me and I know you're praying for me, but I can't see past that because it's all I ever knew. You see, I wrote down in my notes, just because you were born into it doesn't mean you have to stay in it. Can I tell you, if you're someone like that young man, God has bigger dreams, God has bigger plans, God has a bigger destiny for your life. And no matter what the people around you say about you, never lose sight of what God says about you. You see, one of my favorite passages in all the scriptures found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Can I tell you today, before you were even born, God saw you, God gifted you, God appointed you for the plans that he had for your life. You see, he put gifts and talents in your life and some of you don't even know what those even are yet, but God's gonna begin to reveal those. Before you were even thought of by your parents, God loved you. God had a plan and a purpose for your life. You see, maybe some of you have even heard the phrase, you're a mistake. We never even intended for you to even be here. Can I tell you, in the kingdom of God, there are no mistakes. You were intended for great things. God is equipping you for greatness. In each and every one of you, he has put seeds of greatness in each and every one of you. You see, you are marked out for great things. If I'm completely honest with you, I have to remind myself of that every single day. Michael, you are marked out for great things and you would think I would have it all together by the time I'm 41 years old. But I'm in a season where I just have to remind myself of that. God has chosen me. God has given me gifts and talents and he's gonna show me the path that he wants me to be on. You see, sometimes the world gets a little bit overwhelming. We get burdened by the things that come at us every single day. You know, just a few weeks ago, there was a, a group of us that went up to see one of my favorite bands, a band called Laney. 
and, and we were up there, and it was crazy. We got up there super early. It was freezing, and we waited in line like three, three and a half hours just to get inside. And we stood there for the opening act, and somebody that, that we knew behind us, um, Josh and I were there. We're always together. People call us brothers. Um, there's a person that we knew behind us, and they're like, hey, the girls behind you are really, like, annoyed because you're too tall. And I was like, you tell them they should have gotten in line earlier. That's not my fault. That's the way God made me. Yeah. Um, but something kind of crazy happened when the headliner, the band that we were all there to see, came out. It was the craziest thing ever. I was standing there, and all of a sudden, this flood of people just push against us, and we're like crushed against people. Like, Josh is way back here, Clay's all the way over here, and for some reason, Aubrey back here, Nigel over here on the keys, and I have somehow stuck together, and we're like near the front of the stage. We're like three rows back, like pressed up against this. Like, I got the best Instagram videos that night of anybody there. But it was so crazy, and I felt like I was so pressed. Like, I couldn't even move. Like, I was that dad that, like, started apologizing to people. Like, I'm really, really sorry. Somebody pushed me. I'm, like, looking for the fire exits everywhere. Like, you get that age, and you're like, I'm so concerned for all these young girls' safety. But you see, that's so true with our lives. There's times in our lives where we're so pressed and pushed and almost in some ways we feel stuck and we can't move and we're fixed to that spot. In 2 Corinthians it says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to despair. We are hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down but we are not destroyed. Can I tell you that's a word for somebody tonight. And some of you may not even know why you're here tonight. You came along because somebody asked you, you may be an adult here and you're like, this is like a youth thing, why am I here? But for somebody tonight, you need to be reminded of that, that God has not abandoned you. God is not destroying the dreams that he put in you. You see, oftentimes in the pressing is when you find your purpose. When you feel like I can't move, I'm stuck, that's when you see God show up. Where you see a passage like that, and he says, I'm not through with you. I'm about to do something new, and I'm about to take you on an adventure beyond your wildest dreams, beyond any you could ever have even imagined. About a month or so ago, we went to Thrive, Thank you, Adriana. You were there. It was awesome. I love Thrive. And, and Caitlin, who's our ace teamer, who's doing amazing, amazing. She has one more week with us here already. Her training has flown by. 
she's going back home to Arizona for the holidays, and then she'll start hitting the road and traveling all over the country. Um, And I just want you to be praying for her. To do ACE on your own is a whole different ballgame. And to see her just serve and learn and be open. And I love, Rach has got to spend time with her at lunches and coffee dates and stuff like that. And she comes back just sharing great things that God is doing in your life. And and Caitlin, I'm so proud of you. Please know that Rach and I are so proud of you to stick to this by yourself and try to navigate it. And it looks really different than it's ever looked before. Just know that God's going to honor that. And I believe there's great things in store for you. And just know that we love you very, very much. But one of the things that we did is this, this crew, Nat and Caitlin and Ashley, were going to be our luggage people to take everybody back. And, and um, y'all, if you know our van, it is jank. There are so many times that people will post our van on their Instagram stories and tag me in it because the door will just open for no apparent reason. Like, you'll come in the parking lot. Don't be surprised if you come on Sunday or you go home tonight. Big van, door wide open. I'm kind of like, I hope somebody steals it and just kind of takes it and we never see it ever, ever again. But I, I took it because we need to clean it up. We're, we're a family. We're on the go a lot. We have three kids. It gets disgusting in there. I said the other, the other night, and I'm not going to say the child that did this, but uh, I, I had the opportunity to speak at a youth group. I'm well over 15 minutes, if you're counting. And uh, we're, we were getting ready to come to church on Sunday, and I said, I don't know, if you're a parent, you could probably relate to this. Like, Sunday mornings are the least worshipful times in your day. If you are a parent of children, you don't come to church and like, oh, I'm ready to hear from God. Um, usually come and like, you better get your butt in there right now. Where's the shoe? <laughs> because we had gotten in the van on Sunday. This is not even the notes. This is like freebies for you. And Rach turned to me. And she's like, who tracked in dog poop? And we turn around, and there was just poop in there. And I say all that because our van gets gross. Not normally with poop. We have, we have some standards. But I knew that these young ladies were going to be driving our van, and so I took it in to get, to get cleaned, to get washed and to get vacuumed and all that stuff. And as I, as I walked in, I saw this young man... Um, braces, tattoos all over his hands. I was like, okay, cool. And I sat down and I was messing around on my phone and that same young man came out and he goes, are you Mr. Richeson? And I go, yeah. I go, who are you? And, and he shared his name. He's like, he's like, well, you are my third grade teacher. And I said, what is, what is your name? And as soon as he said it, I'm like, dude, like how old are you? 21. Um, made me feel really old and he goes I don't know if you remember this but when I was in third grade I was a little bit of a pain in the butt and I was like yes I do remember that (laughs) and he goes you know you always used to sit us on this rug 
and we'd have snack time where you would read us stories and things like that. And, and he said, every single day, I never had a snack. My family couldn't afford it. And so every day you would give me like goldfish or like Captain Crunch or whatever you had sitting around. And I was like, yeah, I remember that. And he said, one day you were talking and telling a story about how you learned to ride a bike. And I I don't really even remember telling that story. And he said, who here has learned to ride a bike? And almost every hand went up except for a few of us. And you said something along the lines of, man, you guys need to learn how to ride a bike. Like you're in third grade now. That sounds like something I would say. And uh, he goes, I raised my hand and I said, well, I don't have a bike. And he goes, do you remember what you did? And I go, what I do? And he goes, the next day you showed up at my house and you had a bike for me. And I was like, I totally remember that. My mom worked at a place where um, if they found like bikes like laying around, they would take them for the police department and you could go claim it. And my mom said, hey, here's a bike that's been sitting here for a long time. Do you want it? And I just took it and showed, showed up. And he goes, I'll never, ever forget that. And if I'm being completely honest with you, I totally forgot about that. And it was a really small act, if, if I'm honest. And just as a side note, Have you ever thought that sometimes those small acts of kindness changes a person's life? Those small acts of kindness can do something for somebody that you probably didn't even really expect. That's my Ella's in the back. Um, And we were in here on Sunday. And... and some of y'all that come and you're a part of Riverside and you've heard me speak of your underground. I, I'm, it's funny that we put this whole phrase work in progress on the sleeve because for so many months I've said I'm going to tattoo that on my arm because that's me. And I remember Sunday we were here long after everybody had left and, and Ella and I had a conversation over, over here. And to be a 13-year-old girl is really hard. I've never been that, but I've learned as a dad, it's pretty difficult. And we had a conversation over here and um, kind of intense. And I'll tell you, this last week has been rough. Not family-wise, but just rough with a lot of stuff going on. And normally I, I get to drop off Liam and Ella to school before I, before I, I come here to the office. And normally I, I drop her off and she watches to cross the street because one time she almost got hit by a bus. I won't talk about it. I love you. But she usually crosses the street and then she'll just keep walking. And today, she crossed the street, and she turned around, and she just waved to me. And some of you are like, why are you even telling me this? Because that seemingly insignificant gesture changed my day. You see, sometimes we think we have to do these grand things to honor people, to love people. But here's a daughter 
who's trying to navigate life. A daughter that in a lot of times to be our kid is pretty hard because we're pretty busy. The expectations that get put on our kids, the microscope that they're under, that some of you watch them to see how they behave, or you come and tell me how they were in reaction, or your son just did this out there. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. He's like his dad, work in progress. What do you expect? But you see, that seemingly insignificant act, it changed my day. And I thought about it all day long. And Ellie Grace Richardson, know that your dad, I love you. And I don't know the path that God has for you, and, and I'm sorry for the rest of you right now. But I love you, I believe in you, and I think God's preparing you for something big to come. And know that your mom and I love you, and wherever your path takes you, we will be out there on the front row cheering you on. And it is an absolute honor to be your dad. And I love you, and thank you for loving me in return. I say all that because that boy, when he was telling me about this bike that I had totally forgotten about, he said to me, you know what? Every time I see someone riding a bike, I think of you. And I go, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you don't know what that bike meant. You see, that bike meant freedom for me because what I never told you is that my stepdad during that time was abusing me every single day. And he said, that bike that you got me during those times, I could just ride to my friends. I could just ride to the park. I could leave all that stuff behind me. And it provided freedom. And he goes, so here, he goes, I've never seen you since that last day of third grade. But he goes, I've thought about you a ton. And he goes, I couldn't stop telling your story to all these guys that I work with. And here's what I just want to tell you. Thank you. Thank you for taking a chance. He said, you know, you saw something in me that not a lot of people took the time to get to see. You chose to see the good in me when I didn't even see the good in myself. I'll tell you, that's so true with Jesus. Jesus sees the good in you. He looks deep down inside you and he sees so much potential. He sees the plan that he has for you. You see, when all hell breaks out, I still believe in you. I still love you. I don't care what anybody else says about you. I don't care the lies that people are saying about you. I still love you and I still have a plan and I still have a purpose for your life. And even though it's hard for you to see it, I still love you because I chose you. You see, through her own eyes, I'm sure all that Mary could see was fear. 
and a feeling of just being overwhelmed and never seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. But you see, through God's eyes, she saw hope. She saw purpose. She saw that this baby that was inside her would change the rest of humanity. I've said this before, but I think it's so important. Don't get, don't get so focused on your problems that you lose sight of God's promise. That he loves you. He has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. Don't forget what he says about you. He says, I have called you. You're my creation. Throughout this series, we've talked about, I am strong in the Lord. I am fearless. I am the head and not the tail. I am chosen. Because you need to know what God says about you so you can stand off when the world starts to say something completely different about you. When people start to undermine who God has put you in a place where unless God has moved you on, don't move. Until you know that God has said something different about you, believe in that fact that I'm standing on the truth that God has a purpose for my life. I think Pastor John said it so well this Sunday. He said, you'll never know who you are until you know whose you are. You see, God sent his son to this earth 2,000 years ago. And several years later, Jesus went to the cross for each and every one of us. Because you see, for all of us, our destination is clear. Each of us are destined for hell. But when Jesus came to this earth, when he went to the cross and he paid the ultimate price for each and every one of us, is because he didn't want to leave us that way. He had greater plans and he wants to see each of us in heaven one day. It's the best decision you can make. You see, God chose you, but now he's waiting on you to choose him. And tonight, before we head back into worship, I don't want to let this moment pass. Because some of you maybe have never entered into that relationship. Maybe some of you have never stepped inside of a church for a long time. Tonight, you can have your destiny secured. That you know that when your life is over, when Jesus comes back one day, my place is secure and I know that I'm going to spend the rest of eternity with him. Or maybe you're like me and there are times in my life where I know the choices that I've made are not God's best for my life. And there's some times where I have to come back and say, I know I've done this before, but tonight, God, I'm recommitting my life to you. All the stuff of my past, I'm making a brand new start and I'm stepping into the future. I'm stepping into the plan that you have 
from my life. So will you just bow your head with me tonight? Without anyone looking around, if that's you tonight and you say, Michael, maybe I've never entered into a relationship with Jesus before, or maybe tonight I need to step in and recommit my life to him. Without anybody looking, will you just raise your hand wherever you are? Because tonight I want to pray for you. Because I believe tonight could be the start of a brand new season, a brand new destiny for your life. Thank you. You can put your hands down. And everybody that's here tonight, will you just repeat after me? Dear God, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Tonight I confess my sins to you and I want to step into all that you have for me. My old life is gone and the new has begun. And Jesus, tonight I'm committing my life to you. And I want to make you the Lord of my life all over again. Come into my heart. Take away all my sins. And Jesus, tonight, my future begins. In your name, amen.